0: Hello listeners, Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: You are tuned to the Nighttime podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada.
0: Hello listeners, thank you for joining me again. In this episode, our story is going to take us to London, Ontario, in 1983. At the time of this story, London was just over half the size it is today. And with just over 300,000 people, the growing city was still maintaining that small-town charm. But many would say that London lost its innocence with the story we're about to hear tonight. On October 13th, 1983, then-17-year-old Donna Jean Acock was babysitting a neighbor's child at the apartment building next door to where she lived. and This is something she did regularly. However, in the early morning hours, when the child's mother returned home, she asked Donna to run across the street to a convenience store before she left. And this visit to the store, which was only a stone's throw away from her home, is the last time Donna was seen alive. A gruesome discovery at a riverbank in the days later would explain what happened to her but not who was responsible. And now, nearly 40 years later, Donna's murder has remained unsolved. But it's not due to lack of trying. In fact, Donna's older sister, Tammy, has made it her life's mission to bring the person or people responsible for Donna's death to justice. And she's going to tell us all about it here. So tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, I'll be joined by Tammy Dennett to discuss the still unsolved murder of her little sister, Donna Jean Acock. So, just to start, Tammy, maybe introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about you, and you know, and who you are at this point
2: in time. Um,
3: my name is Tammy Dennett. Um, I live in London, Ontario. Uh, my sister was murdered back in 1983, and I've been the sole person looking for her killer. Yeah. And in, in anyone who
0: follows Donna's story or even read an article about it likely is familiar with with you and your name. Uh, are you like is it like an official thing that you're the family spokesperson or, or and if not, how did you end up kind of in, in the role of being? Because I just I of- just
3: took hold of it and I just went with it and it was just like I want I wanted justice. And it was just I'm not someone that I'm not a pushover, um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, from the get go, I've been I've been the go to. I just kept going and kept going and kept digging. And I'm the one that, that, that you know, OPP will speak to me or I'll speak to them. And, um, mm. if they have information, they're going to come to me. If I have information, I'm going to go to them. Like I've, mm. I've actually got a very close relationship with OPP. Yeah. And, and for a case that's been,
0: you know, active for 40 years, yeah. it's I think that alone is a feat to have to still have maintained a relationship with an investigator and have them still following the case like just before we get into what happened and you know throughout the past 40 years at at this point in time how active do you see this case like is is there still kind of conversations you're having with investigators
3: absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah i will not i won't give it up like i won't i won't stop Mm -hmm. until justice is served or i die Mm -hmm. whichever comes first
0: Mm -hmm. so um good well, let's go back in time a little bit, and with with your sister Donna, is she is she your younger or older sister? Like, what's the age between?
3: Yeah, yep. She was By born in years? um sixty six. I was born in sixty three.
0: Okay, so three years difference, yeah. but that that's three girls with three years apart, or two girls with three years apart. Yeah, right? it's still very close sisters. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, tell me a bit about your family, like growing up. What was life like, and what was your relationship with Donna like?
3: Um, our family was very close knit. Like we always we did everything together. Um, every weekend it was, we run to the beach. This was when we were kids. Um, my grandparents mm-hmm. lived in, um, or rural, they had a, 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 cottage out there. So every weekend that's where we were uh, at the beach, um, mm-hmm. Friday nights, we'd go to stock our races. The whole family would cool. go. Yeah. It's just like everything we did. It was like, uh, the family would get together, uh, you know, as we grew up and moved away. it's like everyone got together at my parents' house, Sunday dinners,
0: mm-hmm. um, other than you and Donna, any were there any other kids in the family?
3: Yes, there's. I got an older sister and an older brother and a younger sister.
0: Okay, okay, so that's a pretty big family. Yeah, back in the eighties, it's a big group of kids. Yeah. Uh, did, you and Donna, as far as your relationship, how would you you describe kind of your time yeah. together? I'm sure you, two two uh, young girls that close in age. I'm sure you had your moments, but overall, how how was your
3: relationship? Um, Donna was my babysitter. Um, I was a young mom at that time. I was. I just got married in June 10th of that year okay. um but she was my babysitter I had two kids and I was pregnant for my third I was actually nine months pregnant from my youngest wow um when that happened um my my youngest sister and um, Donna shared a room they were really close
0: mm-hmm.
3: they, okay. like, they were really close but you know like Donna Donna was a type like she um, she she loved kids, and that's mm-hmm. unfortunately what took her life, because um, mm-hmm. she loved to babysat, and that's what she done with everyone in the buildings. Mm-hmm. There was like four buildings, and Donna babysat for everybody. I don't know exactly like who's who was who, and but I do know <laughs> this one that Donna babysat for, and Don, it was a regular that Donna babysat for her. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: let's let's talk about the night of the October 13th, 83. But what I know about that night is she was babysitting. So who was the person she was babysitting for? And what was like the relationship between her and this person? Um,
3: Michelle Maynard. um, Mm -hmm. That's who she was babysitting for. Um, I didn't I I'm I can honestly say I did not know her that well. It was my older sister, like would party with her the odd time. I wasn't a party girl. I was a young Mm -hmm. mom and my focus was my family.
0: So, so, so this, uh, Michelle Maynard would have been just kind of like a friend of your older sister. Yeah.
3: And like, she'd come okay. and sit on the balcony and have a beer with my dad, you know, the odd time. Mm-hmm. But after Donna was murdered, it was like, there was no connect no, nothing, not even a sorry. Um, is there any way I can help? There was absolutely nothing. Oh, okay. She was the most cold hearted bitch I ever met in my life.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, so Donna's babysitting for, for this, um, Michelle Maynard, the, the, the night of October 13th, Yeah. when, when you read about Donna's story, it, what it, quickly it goes from, she was babysitting to, uh, late at, very late at night. Yeah. She was going to a store to buy cigarettes. Uh, Donna was 17. So it struck me as odd that she at you know, two in the morning would be walking to the store to get cigarettes. But I believe she w- was she not asked to do it yes, by the person she was babysitting. Yes. What, what is the story there?
3: Well, it doesn't make sense to me, and it hasn't from day one. And this has been my question all along: is mm. um, when uh, back in the day, back in 1983, pizza places had those cigarette machines.
0: R- yeah, like a like a vending machine yes. where you put money. Yeah, uh, right.
3: Um, when Michelle came home from the bar, she had pizza. Her and Donna mm. at the pizza. Um, then she asked Donna to go to the store and grab her pack of cigarettes.
0: Okay. Uh, and just to back up. So who should the Michelle that she was babysitting for had Donna babysitting because she was, out, you know, doing her thing at a bar or whatever on the way home from the bar, Michelle picks up pizza, comes back, has pizza with Donna and asks Donna then to go pick up cigarettes from this vending machine. Right. And I
3: should back up really, because when Michelle was at the bar, Um, This is her words, not mine, Mm. that um, she had sat with a gentleman eight hours and did not get his name, which I call bullshit. Um, And this gentleman had asked her if she needed a ride home or she asked him if she could have a ride home. I'm not sure the exact what happened there. But anyway, she had uh, he had given her a ride home. They stopped original's pizza. Now, to go into her building, you have to pass right by the store. So there's two times there that she could have got cigarettes and never did.
0: Okay. Because she could have bought them at the bar or at the pizza shop on the way home. Instead, she gets home and sends Donna. Yeah.
3: And her story don't add up to me whatsoever. Um, Mm -hmm. So then I guess Donna doesn't return. But at the store, they had um, said that Donna had asked to use the phone. Um, But they said it's not their policy and they're not allowed to do that oh so donna had left mm-hmm. we don't know if donna got back to michelle's house or if donna tried to get home um we have no idea what happened after that
0: and of course no idea who she was trying to call so yeah. the, the the convenience store that she went to my understanding is is that it's very close to where she was babysitting the... absolutely so like are we talking like you know like a city block or two no, like that kind Not of distance... even.
3: It was the the apartment buildings were right there and the store was right beside it
0: okay so
3: the clerk had said that she looked um he wasn't sure if she looked scared or um it was windy rainy that night Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that had something to do with it but um anyway she had left the store supposedly michelle maynard when donna didn't return michelle maynard went to the store and but didn't buy cigarettes when she was there to confirm that donna was there and bought cigarettes so that's a little odd to me too um so who was watching her kids while she went to the store did she leave them alone by themselves Hmm. um and not not even rap on my parents balcony door like they were on the main floor Hmm. like she could have rapped on my parents door and said hey you know is donna here she's got my cigarettes she's got my keys
0: Oh, okay, um, now at what point is it that Donna is reported missing? Is it is it kind of at or or at least noticed that she's missing? Is it the at this point morning. or
3: the next? Morning. Okay, and, um, and do
0: you know how that happened? Is it Michelle that comes forward saying you know uh, Donna left for cigarettes and never came no, back?
3: No, 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 no. Um, my mom had got up and noticed Donna's bed empty. So she okay. said to my youngest sister, Laura, she said, will you go and knock on Michelle's door and, and tell her to send Donna home? So Laura goes and knocks on the door. Michelle wouldn't even open the door. She just said, uh, no, Donna went home. She goes, can you send – my sister said, can you send Donna home? She goes, Donna went home last night. Oh. So that that was a red flag too. Like why wouldn't she open the door?
0: Mm-hmm. So and- – and, and I'm just thinking, if I have someone at my house babysitting and I give them some money to go grab me something and they got my keys and they just don't come back, I wouldn't be like, I assume they're just gone home. Right. Mm, that's that's yeah. that's odd. Yeah. Okay. So your sister comes back from this encounter with Michelle and tells your mom and obviously your mother's not cool with
3: no, this. She's like, that. what the hell? So we, we're, we're knocking on doors, calling people um it did donna go babysat for you did donna go babysat for you is donna there you know is she hanging out with her girlfriends this and that and it was like nope 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 so then it was my mom called the police and said Mm -hmm. my daughter's missing and they said oh you got to wait for 24 hours we class them as a runaway and Mm -hmm. mom pleaded with them like my daughter's not a runaway she has no reason to run away and it was like Mm -hmm. nope nope so I don't know, I think there was about 200 of us. We all started, well, I, I didn't, I was nine months pregnant, so I wasn't really going any further, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a bunch of the people in the in the complexes um, got together and everybody went for a search. And um, the two young boys that ended up finding her found her out at Fanshawe by the dam down in Embankment.
0: Wow. Um, these boys that find her, they were, they were just, were they like friends or just community members? Uh, they who were pitched friends Exactly. The search- they
3: were friends of Donna's. Yeah.
0: Oh man. And so I'm guessing like uh, the way I'm picturing this is words just spreading throughout friends and people in the neighborhood. Like she's missing. We're all going out yeah, and searching. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so these friends who find her, um, not to get into like the, the, the horrific details of it, but she has found, um, my understanding is like like you just said, they're on an embankment yeah. near a dam near a body of water? Is yeah. like...
3: Well she was close. She wasn't in the water, but she was close. Okay. I don't know if it was his intention to have her go in the water. I have no clue.
0: In in this area where she was found, like what what would be around like would there be a reason for anyone to be there? Is it a wooded areas? Is there a road there? Yeah, like what would this it, have been like? Is there
3: a road? I didn't know this road even existed, but it, it was called Lover's Lane. Okay. But I guess, and it's part of the back part of um, Fanshawe, Dan- uh, Fanshawe Conservation Area. Okay. So, but yeah.
0: Is it, it called Lover's Lane because it'd be a private area yeah. that people could drive? That's yeah. not like the name on a map or something. No, is, is no, it? no, no, no. Okay. I, got, I get what you mean. So just a private, secluded kind of yeah. road. Yeah. In In And she. In she was found deceased uh, off of the road but down into like kind of an embankment near water. Yeah,
3: it was it was quite the steep embankment.
0: Yeah. Okay. And you now I I've read that there is reason to believe that there was a sexual assault yes. um before her death yes. and the cause of death was was strangulation am, yes. I, am I getting that right? Yeah. Um is there a- is there anything about The nature of her death or anything related to that that you want to want to say or is there anything about that that would be of interest that you think people should know about or is that enough that people need to know about how she actually died
3: i think whoever did this knew exactly what they were doing i don't think it was their first rodeo um they when my it's just sad um When my dad had done a fighter, there was a bag shoved down her throat. A plastic bag
0: I can only imagine that people would have went nuts in the community worrying for their safety and wondering, you know, who who could be responsible. Tell me a bit about this time in your life. Like back in eighty-three, just in the wake of Donna's murder like what was happening in and around your command community and in, in in within your family
3: well after that happened it was just like you know what you grew up and it's like oh that'll never happen to my family never mm-hmm. so it's like mm-hmm. like honestly it was just i was in disbelief and it was just like is this honestly happening is this a dream is this a nightmare like mm-hmm. but it was like it shook the whole community it really and i think it still rocks the community today just to know how that could have been anybody you know what i mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like is it somebody and then it's like i sit and i want is it somebody that we know is it somebody is that i've welcomed into my home is it somebody mm-hmm. that i've helped through the years like i just want to know who this son of a bitch is like mm-hmm. like he has no clue what he's done to my family no clue
2: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah the idea of like the not knowing. I, I can only imagine myself, but I feel like I would be so suspicious of, of everyone I meet yeah. and everyone I see and yeah. everyone who I catch looking at me. I'm like, what's that guy looking at? Like, is that accurate? Like, do you kind of feel that?
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> you have no clue how bad I am. You have no clue. Like, I I am petrified of everything. It just it changed to, a, I, was, I, I become a, a, a psychotic mom. It was like, I wanted to lock my kids up and like leave them in the closet because I was afraid somebody was going to hurt them. It's just mm-hmm. like your mind just goes in a different place.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now getting back in this time, like just in the, the, the wake of her murder and maybe that, you know, the year or two after, was there ever points along the way where there was significant developments or leads or suspects? Like, was there ever a time where it was ex- like kind of exciting in that way? And if, if so, tell me about it.
3: Um, When I don't know if you hear, if you heard about the Joe Shepard. Um, he was a convicted murderer in Texas. Okay. He killed two girls. Um, he escaped. I, be, I believe he escaped prison in Texas and he moved here and just carried on his life. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Um, now, when he was arrested here. I can't remember what year it was. But it was like everything pointed to him. Everything. It was just like, even a Texas radio station called my mom and said, you know that they found your daughter's murderer. My mom's like, what? But it was like when Joe Shepard was married, he was living out in the complexes where we live. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, at this time, like at the time that she was. Yep. Yep. Now, we didn't know at the time he was a murderer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he was. It-
0: and was he, sorry to interrupt you, was was he living like under a fake identity or
3: something? Yeah, yep. he was actually, wow. I believe his name was Joseph Tripp.
0: Okay, and, and I'm just, as we're talking, I'm looking him up. He was actually arrested eventually because they featured his case on Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> February 27th,
3: 1978.
1: Telico Plains Tennessee in a parked car 16-year-old Roxanne Woodson fought off the advances of a man named Joe Shepard. two friends watched in the back seat Roxanne escaped and ran off into the night Joe chased after her. Roxanne never returned the night after Roxanne Woodson was reported missing Police went to the home where Joe Shepard lived with his parents to take him in for questioning. The officers waited while Joe went into his bedroom to put on his boots. Joe reached for a shotgun. The officers fired two warning shots. After a brief struggle, they wrestled the gun away from him. He was then brought in for interrogation.
2: Joe's initial story was that he had attempted to seduce Roxanne, and she had gotten mad at him, at his persistent efforts, and had jumped from the car and run into the woods, That he went running after her. And finally, Joe came back telling the two boys that he'd tried to get her back, and that he didn't know where she'd gone.
1: Joe Shepard was booked for assaulting a police officer, made bond, and was released. For several days, over 60 people combed through the woods looking for Roxanne. Joe voluntarily joined them. After a few frustrating days, the search was called off. Roxanne Woodson had vanished. Until the afternoon of April 8, 1978.
4: Roxanne's body was found after joe's mother was standing at the window in the kitchen looking out and she yeah, noticed that the yeah. dogs were digging and yeah. going on at one specific location there and she became alarmed she went outside and uh, walked up on what proved to be two hands sticking out of the ground oh! she notified the authorities at that time and uh, they came to the shepherd home and did uh, remove the body of Roxanne Woodson from Joe Shepard's mother and father's yard.
1: Roxanne had been buried in a shallow grave. Some of her clothes were missing, and her pants had been wrapped around her head.
2: At that point, the Monroe County Sheriff's deputy took out a warrant charging the suspect, Joe Shepard, with first-degree murder. Joe began to fill in the blanks
4: of the statement that he had earlier given, and he said that when Roxanne ran from the car and into the woods, he gave chase, and that as she was running through the woods, as she had fallen and struck her head.
1: He told investigators that he panicked and returned to his car and companions. Joe claimed he returned to the scene later that same night. He placed the girl inside and drove off into the night. Of your Joe was brought before a judge. He recommended that Joe be formally charged with the murder of Roxanne Woodson. Detective Joe Grays had received an anonymous phone call linking Joe to another disappearance, that of a girl named Kathy Clowers, a local 14-year-old who had vanished two years earlier. Joe told them that not only did he know Kathy Clowers, but he knew where she was buried. He offered to take them there.
2: I took the pickaxe just to sort of relieve the guy who had been doing the digging. And after about the second effort, a piece of red cloth came up on the head of the pickaxe. I'll never forget, Joe Shepherd was hunkered down beside the, the hole we were digging. And he looked up with this cold smile on his face and said, See, I told you so. He was proud, I think, of of the fact that he had produced a body for us and and showed no emotion at all.
1: On April 17, 1978, Joe Shepard was formally indicted for the murder of Kathy Clowers. While awaiting trial for the double homicides, Joe was held at the Bradley County Jail. On July 17, 1978, one of the jailers was summoned to a cell near Joe's.
2: What's the matter
1: with you, boy? The jailer was lured into the cell by a man feigning sickness. After locking up the jailer, the two men went to Joe Shepard's cell. They released him, and the three men fled the prison. While the other two escapees were recaptured the following week, Joe Shepard remains at large.
4: I feel certain that Joe is a danger to society. The methodology that he put into each act was that of a very criminal mind.
1: These pictures of Joe Arlen Shepard were taken in 1978. Shepard has recently been seen in El Paso, Texas. The authorities believe he may be living somewhere along the Mexican border.
0: Yeah, and just as I'm reading about him here, he was... um, arrested for two murders, uh, one in 78 and one in 76 So just years before Donna and it was a 15 year old girl and a 16 year old girl. So as far as like the, you know, on paper, you, you take this person in hiding, living in that area, like immediate area on paper, that is a very strong suspect.
3: When they arrested him, he had a map and his belongings exactly where Donna was located.
0: Ooh, okay.
3: So it was like, that was like, oh my God, that is like everything pointed to him. Like it was, just I mm-hmm. could not believe that it was when it was said and done. Now, like I've said to the detectives, okay, DNA proved he didn't rape her. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean he didn't kill her.
0: And, and so that's how he was ruled out as a suspect or whatever, is they DNA. did a DNA and, yes. and he wasn't the one who yes. actually raped her that night.
3: But it just seems odd. Why would he have a map? And his belongings of where Donna was found, it, like right in, like I don't know. And, Th- that yeah, just hit, that's just hit a, re- a nerve for me.
0: Either either way, like that must have been a pretty challenging time, especially when they rule him out and you kind of move the investigation away. Like I, yeah. I, I can only I can only assume that as this was happening, your your family's probably thinking like we're going to get this guy. Yeah, this yeah. Gonna...
3: It was just like oh my god, yeah.
0: Wow. But but in your mind now, almost 40 years later, like, do you still think he could have a part in this? Yep. yep. And do we have any way to know? Like, I, I remember earlier you talked about Michelle sat with who Donna was babysitting for, sat with a guy at a bar for hours. Do we know if this could be that guy?
3: Well, her brother, um, Michael Maynard, was partying with that guy that night with that Joe Shepard. Really? Yeah
0: that night okay so, so not only is he in the area he's it within this group of people yes
3: and michelle maynard's brother um michael maynard said to donna that night i'm gonna have you one way or another now he was ruled out through dna as well <sighs> and i heard that he moved out west and ended up getting um I don't know if he was beat to death or he died from a fight or but he's dead she, Michelle Maynard's dead she is okay yeah um, when when would she have
0: passed and, and the reason I ask is she's someone who if you if there were people within the story that I was thinking like I want to hear what they have to say she'd be top of my list at this point yeah. when, when did she pass
3: she passed away I'm gonna say maybe um, maybe I'm gonna say maybe eight years ago
0: okay what um like of course with with you on a quest to find out who did this to your sister and get justice i'm thinking when someone is close to the story as michelle passes is do you see that as a hit to you know your ability to get to yeah. what happened
3: yeah because i think she had the answers
0: yeah um you now other than this joe Shepard, when he, he you know he gets found through unsolved mysteries which is just a crazy twist in this w- was there anyone else who came to light
3: not this uh, no not 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 like to this. that extent no
0: um so joe shepherd comes and goes as as far as a suspect yes 40 years come and go uh the, the only i guess as far as news reports that i found about donna's story the, the most significant update in that regard seemed to be the return of a purse uh of her purse yeah tell me the story of of her purse where it was left and
3: how it comes back to your family we're baffled to begin with why they wanted her purse because she never had it with her so it was like for uh, for as many years as they had it it never made sense and i had to fight tooth and nail to get that
0: purse back which was so wrong In in the her purse was my understanding is it was left at michelle's house where she was babysitting no
3: you didn't even take it
0: oh really it was just like at your mom's house or something yes. In,
3: That's what we don't understand why they wanted her purse so bad. And
0: it was law enforcement that takes it from your mom's place and holds onto it for like, how long did they have it? When did you get it back?
3: I'm going to say, well, we've been here. We bought the house 14 years ago. So I'm going to say probably 10 years ago, maybe.
0: OK, or actually, I'm, I'm looking here. I see an article from. January 2017 with the headline purse from the unsolved murder of Donna Acock returned to family so maybe six-ish years ago
3: oh yeah okay yeah yeah from the
4: inside of a paper bag Tammy Dennett brings out a purse more than 30 years old it belonged to her sister London murder victim Donna Jean
3: Acock it was like opening a time capsule it was pretty amazing
4: Inside the purse, Dennett finds many things a teenage girl of the early 1980s would have, like a notebook with the phone numbers of her friends. But most surprisingly, she finds pictures. There are photos of a happy Donna, her friends and family. Dozens are stuffed inside, including one of Donna and Tammy.
3: You just remember, you know, when you see the pictures, it's just like she was a person.
4: Donna's mother, Carolyn, who rarely speaks publicly about the details of her daughter's murder, broke her silence today with great emotion.
3: Because, you know, for somebody to grab her and rape her and beat her, and <sighs> she didn't deserve what someone did to her.
0: So you say you fought tooth and nail, so you knew they had this purse. Tell, tell me a bit about the battle to get it.
3: Well, it, I just kept asking for it, and it was like, I. I First, oh, we don't know where it is. We'll have to, you know, um, find out where it is and, you know, who's got it. And, and um, Randy Wright, come on. And he he was a new detective on the case. And I said to him, like, I've been trying for years to get Donna's purse back. I want that. I want her purse back. Mm-hmm. He was the one that brought it back to me. Okay. And yeah. um, he said he said to me, he goes, I don't want you to open it right now. He goes, open it when I'm gone because it's like a time capsule. And that it was.
0: Yeah. So, so you get this purse that you haven't seen in you know thirty something years. Who's with you when you open it? Is it you and your mom?
3: Um. I think my mom was still sleeping at the time, but yeah, I opened it. and I was sitting here by myself, and I just bawled my eyes out. I could not stop crying.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I. I don't know. I. I'm just baffled today. It's awful
0: when you get the purse, when you open it, I, I, I read a lot about the different things that were found in the purse. Do you remember anything like when you um, opened it up and went through what was inside? Do you remember any kind of specific thing that really hit you and really affected you as far as the, you know, the time capsule kind of nature? The family of it?
3: photos, the family photos. It was just like. It was like, oh, my God, like it was just pictures that I don't remember seeing, you know, that obviously meant something to her. Mm hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was the pictures that really, that's what touched me big time.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know one of the pictures is uh, of you and her sitting together on a couch. Yes. Uh, which you would have been seeing that picture basically for the first time 30-something years later. Yes. Which has to be hard to see you, you sitting with your murdered younger sister. Yes. Um, you—you you, In our talk tonight, you talked a lot about, you know, how much it's changed your family, especially what it's done to your dad. Um, is is your dad still with us? No, no.
3: Okay. Actually, my dad passed away 18 years ago today.
0: Did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry.
3: D- tell did it d-
0: in the way you described it. It seems like it affected him especially. So, am I am I reading that right? Yeah. From you? Yeah. Could tell me a bit about that. Like, what did this like a, a father as a father myself? I certainly see myself as like the protector of my children. Yeah. And if something happened to my children, I can't imagine how it would feel. But I, I can only imagine that I would feel like I, you know, let them down in some way or should have been there. Yeah, or I think
3: that's exactly how my dad felt. He felt like I didn't protect her. Um. He just, my dad. We, we couldn't talk about it in front of him. Like if. Um, something was mentioned. It was like, you could just see dad just clam right up. And it was, he, he pretty much just asked us, please, I don't want to talk about it. We asked him, please, dad, go into uh, therapy. Get, you know, talk. He goes, I can't, I, I, I know he lost his job. He just, he just went downhill. It was just awful what it did to him. Like it just, we just sat back and watched him just, his life just slip away. He just quit living. And one of his babies were murdered, you know, like, and it it affected my parents' marriage too, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And now, again, with the the passage of just about 40 years at this point, in which capacity or or in which way is... Donna's still a part of your life now and in your case I know it's unique because you're put yourself out there like we're doing now talking about her and advocating for her but for like besides that and for the rest of your family like what role does Donna play in your life at this point
3: well what I've done for the last this will be the 12th year is I buy for a family at Christmas in Donna's honor
0: oh that's nice
3: yeah because um for kids that you know wouldn't get a Christmas so there's like I'm gonna say there's probably 60 of us that um, we go and we do a luncheon. We play Secret Santa amongst ourselves, and then we donate money and we call the school and we say pick us a family.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And this year we did two families and no, we did one family and two seniors. So this is what we do every year. Um, uh, I do a walk uh, of October 13th of. I don't know exactly Donna's steps, but I go from Michelle's building to the store, Mm -hmm. from the store to Michelle's building, where people see how close she really was Mm -hmm. and how close she really was to our house. I do this every year. Mm -hmm. It's like I just I do everything I can to keep her out there.
0: And and just so I get the geography right, so maybe just in terms of like walking distance, if you were to walk from Michelle's building to the store, just roughly in minutes, like how quick of a walk is that?
3: Probably two minutes.
0: Okay, and and how far would your the house that you would have been living in the time been you know ten minute walk? She was, like,
3: no, she was like right across from my parents' balcony and Michelle's balcony. My, my parents lived on the main floor. Michelle lived on the second floor in the other building. But you could see Michelle's balcony from one of my parents' lives.
0: Okay, so, the, so like Donna the kind was,
3: of the, Donna was closer true. to home than she was Michelle's. Like okay, like in seconds, right? So we're
0: talking about like the distance you could like throw a rock, you know? Like you're like yes. right on top of these places. Okay.
3: Yes. yeah.
0: Okay, um, and just one other question. This is taking us back to earlier in the discussion, but something I wanted to ask that I didn't is back in 83 if you could kind of describe like your community and the town at this point would it would have been a dangerous area or an area where you would worry about a 17 year old running across the street to the store no
3: no No. it was like um everybody was friendly everybody knew each other um it was always high by but it was like after that it was just like everybody was scared to walk the halls and it just Hmm. it it just it changed a lot of people and i'm sure to this day it changed a lot of people
0: Mm-hmm. And this um you, the way you describe it is your family's balcony and Michelle's balcony weren't that far apart. It were they just two kind of neighboring buildings or was it kind of one apartment complex of multiple buildings?
3: There was um 84, 86 and 88 Cheyenne Ave. There was mm-hmm. three buildings. There was um there was quite a few apartments in each building.
0: And Joe Shepard was living in one of these three buildings as yeah.
3: well. Wow. Joe Shepard lived in 84. Michelle Maynard lived in 86, and my parents lived in 88.
1: Update London, Ontario, Canada. The 10 year search for Joe Shepard has ended.
4: After the unsolved mystery show on October the 5th, we received a phone call from a local resident saying that he believed the guy called Shepard was in fact living in London under the name Joseph Tripp. We began an investigation, and when we had identified him, to her satisfaction
1: as Shepard, he was arrested. At the time of his arrest, Shepard was living in a government housing project in London, Ontario, with his common-law wife and their two children. It seems apparent that Mr. Shepard was in
2: London, Canada, with just within a matter of days after his escape from Bradley County.
0: Whenever you see recent news articles about about Donna's case pleading for information, you see references to an uh, a reward for information. I think the number I saw was $50,000. Yes. Yeah. Is that where is this reward coming from? Is this something from the police or where, where is from this? From OPP, yes. Okay. And, and it's a reward for information leading to an arrest, I assume. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, do, do you know, like, th- this reward has been offered for quite some time? Do you know if it's generated any kind of tips or leads, as far as you know?
3: I still get tips in today. I wouldn't say it's got anything to do with the um, the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't. It can't
0: hurt because you need something to just to loosen someone's lips at the oh, right moment. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And 50, and, you know, and fifty thousand dollars enough money to get you on your way if you know right? something. Right. Yeah. Um, One last thing I want to hear about, and I couldn't find any major articles about this, but I have seen it referenced um, a few points, is some discussion about um, the OPP's refusal to test something for DNA. Is there something that's outstanding where there's interest in having something tested for DNA, or am I misunderstanding that?
3: Um, I know there's, um, I've asked OPP to um, generic, uh, I I can't oh, remember if I'm uh, going to say it right.
0: Familial DNA. Yes. Well, okay. I guess
3: there's not enough DNA left to do that.
0: Okay. So yeah, and for people who listen who don't understand, it's so let's say for example, the if they have a DNA sample for the person who that like they, whoever raped her, they know it's not Joe Shepard. But right. if they can get a DNA profile for who that is and compare it with like ancestry.com and these types right. of services, maybe they won't find who did it, but they'll know, you know, it's someone within this family you know right. that sort of and and right. I've seen some major cases in the US be Absolutely. solved as a result yes. of that um but as far as you know at this point there's not enough of a profile to if that's the,
3: what I'm being told by OPP there's not enough okay. DNA left to uh to do this so that's okay. really a bummer for me yeah
0: but but you know there may not be enough DNA in 2022 but you know as that technology improves Absolutely. if they had anything it's it's you know in in 10 years what we're doing today in dna testing is probably going to be this archaic method so um yeah hopefully well that could work out and yeah that is still a fairly new kind of technology this idea of finding other people within a family from a dna profile but there there is hope there for sure yes absolutely um now just to, to wrap this up for anyone who uh, is interested in Donna's story and wants to learn more. Where would you direct them? Like, what is the best best way that they can find out more about her story and maybe get involved? Um,
3: I have a Facebook page up, uh, Justice for Donna Jean Alcock. Um, I believe I made that up in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's over three thousand members in there. Um, they could contact me at tammyddenettoutlook dot mm-hmm. um, It's I'm always willing to to talk to anybody. Um, I just, you know, just come forward, please.
0: I want to thank you for joining Tammy and I for our discussion surrounding the unsolved murder of her sister, Donna Acock. If you're interested in following this case closer or learning a bit more, I'd suggest joining Tammy's Facebook group, Justice for Donna Jean Acock. I've added a link in the episode description that'll get you there. And a message to anyone listening who may have some information about this case. Please do the right thing and contact the Ontario police and let them know what you know. Just like Tammy said, someone out there knows something. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. But before we part, I want to give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Tammy for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. I'd also like to thank Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode. It's a piece called Noir Tokyo. And lastly, but most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. Not only does the premium feed make the show possible, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed, as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, subscribe to the premium feed at patreon.com slash And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers, Angela, Kelly, and Rachel. Thank you for going premium. If anyone else would like to support the show but can't do it via a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on an episode, or if you'd like to contribute a voice memo that to be aired in an upcoming episode, you can do all that more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. And I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other hug your loved ones tight and let me know if you see anything weird the nighttime podcast is written hosted and produced by jordan bonaparte